everything was a blur for a while. Michael stumbled through life and was doing everything as if he was in a dream state. Terrible silence filled their place as Katie barely spoke to him and the children were afraid to speak. Michael found himself spending more and more time away from home. If he wasn't at work, he was either at O'Reilly's church or with Toby, Autumn, and Raven. Unlike Katie, Michael didn't blame Raven for his son's disappearance. He saw her as a connection to him, her and the baby. The baby was born in August. It had curly brown hair with skin the color of cream mixed with a drop of coffee. Raven named him Michael Boston and called him Boston. Michael knew immediately that Michael Jr. was the father. Holding him for the first time, he talked to the baby. Hi, Boston. I'm your grandfather, and I love you, and I will always love you. I can't promise you an easy life, but I do all promise you will always have my love. Michael handed Boston back to Raven. Thank you, sir, for telling him that. Michael looked at Autumn and Toby and then down at Raven, who was lying in the bed holding Boston. If you never ever need anything, promise me you'll let me know. Yes, sir, I will. Michael left and went home, where he told Katie about Boston. Michael Jr. is the father. I don't believe it. It's true, love. No, said Katie as she walked away. Michael just stood there, not knowing what to say. Finally, he put his coat back on and left and heading toward church. That was the other thing I had changed in Michael's life. He had started going to church each evening and lighting the candle for Michael Jr. The loss of Michael Jr. had the opposite effect on Katie. She stopped going to church, blaming God for what had happened to her son. Yes, she blamed God, but she also blamed Raven and Michael. If Raven hadn't gotten pregnant, Michael Jr. would have been home that night. If only Michael had listened to her worries, this wouldn't have happened. Michael knew that Katie blamed him, which was nothing compared to the blame he piled upon himself. He went over the scenario again and again in his mind, marking every moment where he could have done something different and etched every mistake in his mind. Michael realized he missed Patricia. She was someone he could talk to when he couldn't talk to Katie. He went back to the tenant and sat down in his chair next to Katie, who was working on her needlework. I'm going to write a letter to Patricia to tell her what had happened to Michael Jr. Do you think that's necessary? It will just worry her. Yes, I do think it's necessary. If he ends up there, she needs to know beforehand. That will not happen, Katie said, as if she could command it to be so. It might, love, and we need to be prepared. Katie just shook her head no. We need to talk about this. She just shook her head slowly no and looked away. He sat there for a while and then got up and left. He wanted desperately to talk to her about Michael Jr., but he didn't know how to without hurting her even more. He went down to O'Reilly's and wrote a letter to Patricia, telling her what had happened, but also how he was feeling. When he finished, he realized he had said too much, but he didn't care. He needed to talk to somebody. 
A month later, a letter came back from Patricia. Dear Michael and Katie, I'm so sorry what, about what happened to Michael Jr. I will pray for his safe return. I will also pray that both of you and Katie find peace. Katie, do you remember when I told you about little Sean's death and how Sean shut down and became bitter? Please don't let this happen to you. You need to talk to each other. But I expect you already know that. The one thing I have learned working with the wounded is that in order for there to be healing, there must first be pain. If you avoid talking about it, the wound will just fester and spread. It is no different with the wounds of the heart or soul. With all my love and prayers, Patricia. Michael showed Kate the letter. Who's the little Sean and what happened? He was Patricia's and Sean's son, and he was killed in an accident. Why did you tell me about him? Patricia made me promise not to, and you will ask, have to ask her why. All right, I will. She's right about one thing, though. We need to talk. Holding it in is only making things worse. I know, but it's so hard. I, I know you blame me, and I understand. I keep going over that night over and over again, thinking I could have done something different. I know it's not your fault, but I was so angry that I need to blame someone. Michael just nodded as she continued to talk, spilling out all her thoughts and emotions as if she was had saved them in a bucket that she was now dumping out. They both continued to talk until there was nothing more to say. Going to bed, they finally both fell asleep, hugging each other, with tears streaming down their faces. The one, the one subject they did not talk about was Raven and the baby. When Michael tried to bring it up, Katie would ignore him or leave, anything to avoid the conversation. It was the elephant in the room that no one talked about. Michael kept denying the baby from a distance. The one time Raven tried to come to the tenant, Michael cringed as he heard the words being yelled at Raven and his grandson. He was ashamed to admit that he had used many of these words himself in the past. These same words were now being thrown at someone he had begun to care for, and that made the cuts even deeper. His immediate reaction was to lash out, but Raven gently touched his arm and whispered, No, sir, they're not worth the effort. He relaxed his soldier and fist. He, re he really looked at Raven for the first time. He noticed that he looked... He noticed that she looked a lot like her mother, Autumn. She was already tall and slender with light skin. Lighter than Autumn's, in fact, and much lighter than Toby's, whose skin was color of coal. Her nose was also thinner. Michael had seen her nose many times back home, every time an English landlord came to visit. If he didn't know her parent, she could have easily passed for English. Murmurs had always been that Kobe wasn't her father. It was the kind of rumor that makes its way through the workplace and bars where fact and fiction get interwoven into a story. Michael never paid attention to these rumors. First, he wasn't interested, and second, it didn't matter to him until now. He wasn't sure how to bring it up 
or if he wanted to. So the question remained dancing in the back of his mind.